out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Hello and welcome. This is the C86 Show. I'm David Eastall. As you know, we love a special guest. This week, it's going to be the turn of the guitarist, singer and songwriter. It's the one and only Robert Hacker, who I spoke to to find out more about life, love, poetry and all the other groovy stuff. Was in a band that you'll probably know very well called Red Cross in the 80s and 90s, did several albums with them and has gone on to form another combo called It's OK, which um, I'll give you a link to their website in the notes below. So this is the interview, so after several minutes of interest and a casual chat, we get down to that exciting, you know, the exciting early formative years. Also, just to warn you, um, there are times when Robert starts to play guitar. The first couple of times, uh, the sound doesn't come through, but you'll get the gist, actually. So there is occasional silence when there shouldn't have been, but then we get that sorted out. But anyway, Robert, it's over to you. So my 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 father listened to nothing but classical music 24 7 there's a station kfac am that was in los angeles and it was just a classical music station and my father had the radio on 24 7 and it, it kind of drove me crazy you know i mean i'm kind of i have a little bit of ptsd from it these days you know and i i i i can't handle like you know beethoven or because he's so he every Beethoven piece has some discordant, angry uh, phrases in it, you know. Which I, yes. I, and I, but I do, I do, I do worship Bach, and you know, he he is to to me sort of like the pinnacle of music. You know, it's like we've all been trying for the last three hundred years to get there. You know, but for me, when I was about six or seven, I had two little buddies, and their names were Pickle and Huey, and they lived upstairs. We lived in a duplex, and in Hermosa Beach, California. And so when I was six or seven, these they, they were my buddies, and their mother had a, had a boyfriend, the, the kindest man. His name was Brad Roth. He was such a nice guy, a nice little in, influential adult in my life, you know. And but he he played us Sergeant Peppers, and I just I just it is just a true story. I'd never I just didn't know that music could be like that, you know. It was so I it was just like this this just psychedelic maelstrom, and it was so enveloping, you know. It was such a creative thing, and so that was that was my introduction to the Beatles. Was probably about I was you know I was probably about six or seven. It was probably like seventy one or seventy two, and <clears throat> I heard Sergeant Pepper's, and I was just I was just mind boggled by it. And then <laughs> it must be 72 because I remember that he says to us, Brad Roth says to us, he says, because we were all excited, like, you know, and, 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 and he's, he says, he says, well, because we asked, like, do they have more? Can can, are they on TV or whatever? You know, we're little kids. We don't really know how that works yet, you know? And he said, well, sadly, they broke up two years ago and I was really crushed and devastated. And as a kid, I didn't understand the concept of like, albums and catalog like i i thought of everything in terms of like comic books and comic books it's like you get a comic book and then it's gone and then you go to the you know you go to the market and the, there's the new comic book this month's comic book so i didn't understand like albums you could go get you know sergeant peppers i thought that's it well you yeah. so he's got a copy but i'll never get a copy because they'll have a new record every month you know that's just how my little kid head was working <laughs> so, well, but that, that that was my my truly life altering. So then we all, you know, via my friend's parents and my friend's older siblings, right? We started to to get uh, some more of them. So Pickle and Huey, their dad, who just lived two blocks away, he had Let It Be. So that was our second Beatle exposure was Let It Be, which was a much more 
mellow hippie one and kind of felt more and yes jive with the era we were living in you know and then uh my buddy donald wilson his older brother had abbey road and abbey road was kind of like the scary record you know <laughs> it's like we're not supposed to be listening to this almost you know yes. because it was like so heavy and scary come together and opened up with that but then it gets to maxwell's silver hammer and when you're seven you know that's that's what you you really lock down with that you know so Yes, it's in, what is it? What is interesting that that period because my my brother was seven years older than me, and he was one of those mm-hmm. guys who got into prog rock. So I got that, but he also had two right. other albums: one being um, "Goodbye Yellow Brick Road" by Elton John, and the other one was "Sergeant Pepper." And um, he forbid forbid me to go into his room to play these records. So obviously, I'd sneaked in, and of course, and this was kind of the early to mid seventy period. And I was like, and and so the Beatles, they had been the films that I might have watched, but I can't quite remember. But I was right. mesmerized by that album and playing it, and sort of and you know turning over and listening to side. Oh because it came in a gatefold and being amazed with tracks like good morning and the lyrics of things like she's leaving home and uh, lovely rita had a and it was just like my god this is really mind-blowing and then you'd put it all away make sure your fingerprints weren't on it put it back and and sneak back out just going wow that was weird you know and then playing it again and just and just like having to do it secretively you know but but right. you know the lyrics and all those songs on it were really ensconced in my brain actually ever since oh, so yeah. it, was it was a great album to uh discover wasn't it yeah absolutely so i was a huge huge massive beetle geek and i i became i became uh there's there's just nothing as cool as the Beatles. I was rejecting a lot of the contemporary, although I did, I did like Elton John. I remember I had, I had a buddy, John Mulholland and his older sister. I don't know how much older, because we were literally, you know, we were probably 10, 10 to 12, I think about that age. And, and she had like, you know, kind of, I don't know what you call it, you know, like you're sort of almost like the mullet thing, like the, the Paul McCartney, Linda McCartney. Oh, City, yes, yes. You know, sticking up on, to, or David Bowie even, right? Ziggy. That, that yes, point. he did the Ziggy. Well, she did the Ziggy. Yeah, yes. so she had, she had this kind of glam hair, you know, and, 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 uh, and she loved, she loved, uh, Elton John, she was absolutely just, just, just berserk about Elton John, and I, I, I think she was into Kiss as well, because I, I think she had the classic, you know, with the the the, the sequin type classic old school Kiss t shirt, you know. Yes, well, absolutely. I mean. He did also have Deep Purple and Black Sabbath in that kind of record collection. I, I remember it really well because I would have to go in there and sneak around and sort of. And he was also an accountant, so that's his life. He was going, so he had all his albums in those kind of plastic sleeves, you know, just really geeky yes. plastic sleeves. And most Very of them nice. were gatefolds, you know, with Roger Dean posters. And, you know, it was really right. a, a fascinating experience to watch all that. But then there was Top of the Pops in this country. So we had this oh, kind of lucky. Yeah. half an hour every Thursday, we'd watch these artists. And so there was novelty tracks, there was disco stuff. And then there was these kind of weird rock and, you know, glam people as well yeah was was well, i i don't because you, because i was here here we had like don kirchner and the midnight special but they truly were like the the rock shows were on like at the middle of the night you know like on network so 
so it was it was it was a tough one for it for me at any rate to be able to pull ever pull that off and get to see those shows was top of the pops like a a late night thing like that no no it's top of the pops was seven o'clock on a thursday for half an hour and it was like literally you know the top 40 top 20 tracks going to number one and when a single used to sort of go into the charts it would sort of creep up from or creep yeah creep up from sort of number 40 to number 38 to number 20 you know so it was a really long kind of period so you'd always be listening to it going is your favorite record going slightly towards number one and then it would get stuck and then it would come back. But it would be a long process. It wasn't just like in at number one, out again. It was like, you know, and if it was going towards the number one spot, it might not get up there, but it might get on top of the pops. And then you got to see them. There was another program called the Old Grey Whistle Test with Whispering. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen a lot of those. But that was a very, that was very late. And they are brilliant to watch because there's just normally everyone's smoking, having interviews and you know, with long hair, being very kind of casually arrogant, and you realise their career yeah, was about yeah. to just disappear when punk rock came along. But oh, up to that period of '76, they were the they were the kind of casual dope smoking gods, weren't they? Right. Yeah. The equivalent <laughs> of our of our of our of our first wave of FM uh, DJs here, where everything was very you know cool and chill and mellow and and and. In baritone, you know. Yes, it was. It was very the complacency already of a a late twenty something who was, you know, in a band was was quite amazing because they weren't that old, but they look ancient, don't they? With this long wow. hair, beard, slouch yeah. in there, talking about you know long guitar solos and conceptual right. things, which you thought, mm, yeah, the Ramones and the Dam were only just around the corner, and that right. was going to be the end of that. <laughs> so then, as the mid as the seventies progressed, then did you? When did a guitar appear in your life? Oh, so I started playing guitar poorly, but just as a kid, just like exploring when I was about nine. So at nine years old, I started exploring. But then that was very much like, you know, I'm I'm, I'm doing like a, you know, like a everything wrong. One, one string going. Right. Like <laughs> smoke in the water in E on the low E string. That's it. And then I moved on to like the. You know, and that takes me, you know, 30 minutes to figure out or whatever, right? That sort of thing. But then by the time I, so I, I did a couple of years of, of just not that good learning some chords, you know, being a little kid and stuff. And then I, 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 by listening to tapes, you know, cause I would tape all my, and I, I was playing with friends and, you know, we, we had our little groups, but we were very shags, you know what I mean? I mean, we were little kids, you know, and but but when I listen to tapes of of when I'm a kid, I I can hear I can hear what what was happening and and I I hear a very heavy uh, besides the Beatle George thing a very heavy Peter Frampton because he was ubiquitous here. I don't know if he was ubiquitous there. Massive can Frampton come live? That was in my oh, yeah. brother's record collection. But, Absolutely. So that was global. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so I I I I think that. Uh, I, I hear that, and 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 that's sort of where where I. That's the first like sort of guitar, god person, you know, that I probably started to really start. Getting some licks from there because you know, Beetle Church, was a was a tasteful play for the song player, and and Pete Frampton was a cool sort of semi jazzbo rock shredder you know and and, yes. and so 
And so, and so I hear a bit of that, my playing. And then, and then, so I was progressing pretty well. And, and and I'd been trying to learn in a very disciplined way. I was learning to play with my fingers and all that. And then I had the, I had the punk rock change my life stuff. Like it did for a lot of us around here. And we, I, I grew up in Hermosa beach, which was a, a, a weird place, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a definitely a something in the water place. And, and so there was a, a lot of, at least, you know, this LA, California, West coast punk rock that came from here. And it wasn't punk rock in the, in the sense, you know, it was, it was, it was just, you know, art geeks and misfits as we saw them. These guys, it was like the black flags and they still had, you know, longish hair and they didn't wear any, they didn't wear any, you know, uniforms and leather jackets and that they just wore thrift shop clothes and you know whatever it was and and uh and it was all a little bit scary to me <laughs> but i i also then then sort of maybe there was a little devolvement of the guitar playing and, and the punk rock was so chordal you know i mean that's all to a great extent it was just chordal yeah. and so and so went went more into that and then and then what I, I, I think probably somebody like, like, I, I, I would say I, 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 when, when I, when I first heard uh, Living Color, probably that's probably like Vernon Reed, that probably flipped another switch in me, you know, I mean, there were all the shredders and the Hollywood t- sort of thing that was going on, because there were lots of shredders. And, and I, I had a sense of maybe inadequacy or, or, <laughs> or, or, you know, a lack of competition. Cause I just wasn't there, but I didn't really, the context of that wasn't for me. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't really exciting me, the context of it. Yes. And when I, when I heard cult of personality, like a lot of people, you know, it was, they, they put, it was a flexi disc in guitar player magazine, like before they had broke it all, you know, the, 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 the guitar community had was, was, was embracing him and and i was just like you know my jaw dropped you know and so and so that combined with we had uh victor and drizzo had joined the red crosses and and he is just a a a giant i mean he's just ridiculous he's so skilled just and he was he was just head and shoulders above us all i mean he was a better guitar player than me he was a better bass player than steven he was a better singer than all of us he and he was just a monster drummer and so it was beautiful because it upped my game you know and and so and so then i spent a couple of years just doing like some serious woodshedding you know i did this huge reassessment so that and then that i when i was 23 i, I know that so that's 88 isn't it so that's, that's 88 that's when I, I i really i really uh I just did a restart, you know, and that's when I, you know, I, I used to, I used to play, you know, the guitar down at my crotch, like, you know, like all the rock stars. And then I pulled it up here, but it was just like running track. It was just like being a hurdler. How am I going to be efficient? What's my economy of motion? What's my, what's my least wasted energy? And, and what can I, how can I do this? You know, you're running, you're running with a feather touch, you know, you know, and, and there's so much finesse involved, just like like dunking a ball, right? And so, yes. and so, and so I I I I I I just changed my my everything. I I changed it all, and and you know, 
I'm pretty happy about that. Well, absolutely. So when you, when was your first gig you went to? What was the sort of the scene that you were kind of originally sort of captured or captivated by? Well, well, let's see. I saw a few random bands, but just things that, you know, were in public. So they, they weren't things that I went to when I was, uh, when I was, a I, I don't, I, I think I first went to my first shows when I was a sophomore in high school. I was in a band with 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 some people, the the Housens and Al Hansford, and and we we played a few clubs. We played a Gazzari's Battle of the Bands, which was kind of funny, you know, because they were like heavy metal bands and stuff, and we were this odd little bird trashy thing. And then, yeah, I I I saw. Descendants and Black Flag playing at house parties, you know, and because it was again, it was the South Bay, Hermosa, and and there were so many bands, so I saw a lot of stuff, a lot of punk rock, and and I mean that's mostly that. The first yes. big huge show I, I went to go see the Who when I was a sophomore, sophomore. Anyway, had they lost year. Kenny? Had they was Kenny Jones on drums yeah, at that stage? Kenny Jones tour. Yes, I was was probably a junior, and that was the first giant show I saw. It was at the Coliseum. It was like 100,000 people. It was nuts, you know? Yeah. And what was was your sort of post-punk period like, you know, from the sort of the 80s to sort of 84, you know, because there was kind of a period where, you know, there was the, the... the sort of the punk scene had sort of pretty well gone after a couple of years. And then there was all those. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're, we're still looking at our 10th generation or whatever, 20th or whatever they, whatever, how we refer to them now. But I mean, I sort of feel I was always post-punk because, <laughs> because I was never a punk, I guess, in that sense. I was always a hippie kid. I always had long curly hair, you know, cause it fell out of my head. And, and, uh, and, I always, I always uh, tried to embrace things that were happy. You know, I was like, when the when the angry punk rock thing, I just I couldn't relate to the angry thing on any. I'm not an angry kind of guy. You know? Yes. But, so that angle just never never appealed to me. You know, and and so you know everybody was moving on. We were just talking the other day. Like we went to see see Susie. Uh, and the Banshees at the Santa Monica Civic. It was either my senior year or my freshman year of college. And it was so great. It was just this kind of, we, 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 we've been talking about it. It was, it was, she was just as much a performance art as anything, you know, with her whole, it was so incredible. It was, it was, a you know, so, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yes, I saw Susie in the 80s and she'd just started the tour and she'd managed to twist the knee ligament or something. So she had to do it sitting down. And I got to the front and she was absolutely mesmerizing. You know, she was one of those. Even in a chair, huh? Even in a chair, she was doing the whole the whole business. And when you're really That's up beautiful. close looking at this this woman and obviously they thought, look, you know, we can't afford to cancel the tour because you've sort of, I think she did try to do a pirouette on the first night and then snap oh, something. Yeah. So it was a bit like, right, you're going to have to sit there, do the tour. And, and it was still, I mean, you know, this was 
to a young person oh, at the front of a stage, she still was like, oh, my God, I'm being mesmerized. She's got me. I could sign oh. my life away. That would have been fine. So when so so 83, I love I love my indie pop years because in the UK, you know, we obviously had the world that was the Smiths came along, bands like that, Johnny Marr. And then, oh, you know, obviously there was Big Country, U2, there had been Julian Cope. You know, what were those bands like to you? You know, the, oh, these... they were great. They, 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 hyper melodic. To me, that that all came from, uh, you know, public image, you know, but the. Yeah. Actually, you're not you're not quite. I, I thought, well, you know, you just might. So is your guitar plugged in at all? It's not. I could plug it in. Because <laughs> I, I could hear plug. I could hear you sort of. do. I can see you doing something. I can't hear anything. So it's oh. like. I can turn it on. Okay. <laughs> if, if, if you want to give me a nanosecond, I'm going to go close the door over there if I do this. So I'll be right back. Oh, okay. There you go. He's coming back. He is definitely coming back. Right. Do, 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 do. Yes. I know. Um... Oh, there you go. It was interesting the other night. The other night I was watching one of my classic albums. Yeah, I don't know if you saw that series, classic albums, and there was Deep Purple, and the members of Deep Purple were talking about that um, album. Is it Machine Head? And uh, Richie, yeah, that's 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 Smoke on the Water. And Richie was talking about how you get the sound that he gets that nobody else does. It was quite. He was showing the where his fingers were and the chords that he would play. And so, um, oh right, 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 because everybody's got their little twist. There we go. It's a it's a little on the bright side right now, maybe. I was I was playing this. I was like, "Whoops!" That's I still can't hear anything. Are you serious? Yes, there's nothing wow, coming through. Loud. <laughs> I wonder why. It says, Set up professional audio in audio settings. So I can hear I can hear you, but I can't hear the guitar. Isn't that amazing? Why it's loud? It's hurting my ears right now. I mean, I'm even doing. This, <laughs> yes, do your earplugs. That is so strange. It's not so, it's coming through those speakers behind you, but not these, 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 these four little gray cabinets you see on either side of me. Those are my ZT amps, they're loud. Yeah, Whoop. god, that Whoop. is wow. That's... You don't hear that. No, not so not, sad. Oh, I'm I'm playing I'm playing the big country look, you know. Oh no, God, that's so. I don't understand it. So you can hear it in the room, but I can't hear it. Oh yeah, it's loud. <laughs> that is so weird. I don't understand why. Let's see about this audio settings because I'm, I'm, I'm recording it and I can. Right. Yeah, I'm going to turn off the Zoom background noise removal. I'm turning that off. I'm going to. Okay. Uh, Let's see if I can. Oh, now I can hear your guitar. You you could or could not. I can just then when you did something. Okay, good. I, now I put I it can, on. Oh, now it all makes I changed sense. the setting. Oh, 
<laughs> that's loud. That's good. Oh, I know. We well, we danced to that one. I tell you, oh, in a big a country, song. it is beautiful. Yeah. So the guitar players of that time that started to come through, Johnny Marr, the guy from Big Country, and all those people, The Edge. Yeah. So how did I, they? I, I, how did they affect your guitar playing? Oh, I think in a tremendous way. I mean, that was a huge thing. You know, that that that, that was very English, all that stuff going on. So to me, it all was Keith Levine because it starts with the public image records. You know, it starts with the totally starts, you know, I'm, I'm going to put in my earplugs in the environment <laughs> with, with, you know. Right. And then it becomes. So all those guys, you know, and then <laughs> so so you had this you had this. We everything really went away from those from those. Steve Jones guitars. Right. And, and yes. suddenly everybody's doing these little dyads and triads and, and, and little arpeggiated things and and clean, you know, and and then, you, you, of course, you had <laughs> who isn't really in the same camp as, as that drony thing. But but just the, 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 the best of the lot to me is just James Honeyman Scott, who's one of my gods, you know, and <laughs> although he's just a he's a more straight player, but he's to me, the ultimate with George Harrison, Beatle George, the ultimate right. play play for the song guy. You know, it, it's just it's just phenomenal. And Elliot Easton of the Cars, who's just bananas. And you know, he was just playing rock and roll. You know, but 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 he put it on top of that new wave bed, and it was just it was beautiful. It was brilliant. You know. So, yes, but it's interesting. It was interesting you mentioned Pete uh, Pete Frampton because because I did love Frampton Comes Live, but I also remember getting one of his solo albums in the eighties. I think it was Breaking all the, all the Rules, and that was a great yeah. album. It was really not. It was just off. It wasn't part of the eighties scene, was it? It was like he was still in the seventies, and oh. you know. And then I saw him. He's probably trying to make up for I'm and you, you know. Yes, there you go. So, what was your life like in Red Cross? You had a few. You had four years with the band, didn't you? Was, was oh, that... I was. I was in the band for fourteen years. I, I I was in the band from eighty four to ninety one, and then I was in the band from two thousand five to twenty twelve. So, so uh, it was fun. <laughs> Particularly, the, I I in eighty four. I I they had already recorded the Teen Babes from Monsanto record, <laughs> so I. I joined the band to, in in to tour in support of that record, and that's where I ended up dropping out of school. You know that's okay. And uh, and my my first eighteen months or so probably in the band, it was just a lot of fun. We were just kind of you know dumb kids. Pardon me, I've I've had this cough for like weeks. It's driving me crazy. Yes, my God, absolutely. And then so obviously this is a huge kind of. I don't know, apprenticeship, isn't it? It's it must have been quite extraordinary. Suddenly, find yourself in such a major band. Well, yeah, because before this, the biggest bands, I, I the biggest performances or stages I'd been on was like parties. You know, maybe I'm playing for thirty, forty, fifty kids or whatever. You know, and my first show with the Red Crosses, we were playing a, a benefit for Keith Morris. He had fallen off a stage and broken his neck, and X, the band X 
was having a benefit and we were opening for them on that bill. So my, my first show with the Red Crosses was in front of 800 people. And then 24 hours later, then we, after that show, we drove up to San Francisco and we played a, a venue called The Farm and we were opening for Black Flag. So my second show with the Red Crosses was playing for a thousand people. So yeah, it was, it was appreciably, you know, and we were just these crazy hippie guys. I was just this hippie kid from the beach, you know, and, and, uh, and the bros were starting to grow, <laughs> grow out their hair because they did have a beautiful rejection as well of, you know, of this, the uniform of nonconformity, right? <laughs> yes. Rockers and their angry mohawks and white t-shirt and black leather jacket and blue jeans and Doc Martens. It was, it was just like, you know. <laughs> So when you got so you got to the second the, the the sort of the next album that you were part of the two it's a quite a tight lineup at this stage isn't it there's just a four piece yeah 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 well we we went through a lot of drummers we went through a lot of drummers and uh, so we had we had when I joined the band Dave Peterson was the drummer I had met the band through Janet Houston who had previously been their drummer and because I I grew up and went to school with her. And her younger brother, who was one year older than me, so we were we were in school together. Janet's like I think maybe four years older than me, five years older than me, and uh, and so I, I met them through Janet, and we'd gone to see them because they were on so many of those bills with Black Flag Descendants, the Red Crosses, you know, and and I. Uh, so yeah, so then our, when I joined the band, Dave Peterson was the drummer, who was a very Mitch Mitchell type drummer. He was a great drummer, and he's played with It's Okay's a few times too. And then, then we had Glenn Holland, and Glenn was always—he's a really nice guy. All our drummers were the nicest guys, but he—he he was probably the the least Red Cross that we ever were. That—that that was like the the pinnacle of the Hollywood glam thing, you know. So we got this guy with big, huge platinum hair, you know, and always wearing pink, and he had the double kick. That was our only double kick guy, you know. And so even on our our simplest pop songs, he's everything, you know. So that was sort of a short-lived period because 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 Glenn abandoned us like, you know, 48 hours before we were supposed to go on our first national tour, which was very inconvenient, but that's just what young guys do. So, you know, you can't hold it against them or whatever, you know, but, no. but then Dave Peterson came back and rescued us and, you know, he, he could get, he got some time off work, but that was kind of a tough, a tough one because we went on our first tour and then a national tour and but we also took a six month step backward you know so it was kind of that was it was it was hard to do that and then uh but th th that was our we played our new york debut on that and that was a huge show and it was just a, the entire tour had been built around this this new york show at, at danceateria and it, it was it was amazing same thing you know we played like, like a thousand people or whatever. We yes danceateria that's such a famous venue isn't it Oh yeah, it was. That's where apparently Madonna was a dancer or whatever she was. So that's part of their lore, you know. And uh, and then when we came back, when we came back, we 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 they, I guess so. We didn't have a drummer. So then we auditioned, and then we got Roy. And Roy, if if you, I don't know if you've seen seen my uh, social medias, but uh, Roy joined the It's Okay's, and he is so I'm super stoked because he's now the drummer for It's Okay. Yes, I, I did see that Roy McDonald. That's it. I, yes. I'm just out of my my mind with, and it's just so much 
fun. It makes me so happy because, you know, I, I, I really wanted to keep it a family band. We'd had the same drummer for 12 years and he was, a he was considerably younger than us. And, and he, he was a, he was a, uh, the son of a girl that, that Ellen Rooney, our singer and I had gone to college with and, and, and his father was a drummer and his grandfather was a drummer and his uncle was a drummer. So yeah, you know, so he was, he was, he was, a you know, He'd always say it felt like he was in a band with his aunt and uncle. You know, as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> excellent. That's so, always a nice yeah. thought. Isn't it? So, can uh, you talk much about the the next studio album that you were part of with Red Cross? The process that was, that. That was Neurotica. Then, yes, that's right. Yeah, Neurotica is a great record. It's fun. It was very fun. We had a lot of fun. We were kids, and we'd never been in it. Well, I'd never been in a in a studio like that, you know. And and so, you know, so we we. We just kind of, you know, I don't think we really knew what we were doing a whole lot. You know, that's probably very typical of of kids making records. But it was exciting, and you know, we went into some big rooms, and you know, we did the drums. It, it was also frustrating because, you know, like <laughs> I think we had some some sonic ideas in our in our in our head, and and and, and Tommy Erdley, Tommy Ramon. He was producing the record, but but I he I, I, he he felt very uh, compelled to make a contemporary sounding record, and you know we wanted to. I think the Bros wanted it to sound like a Ramones record, and I wanted it to sound like a Jimi Hendrix Experience record. You know, <laughs> I wanted yeah. drums where bonk bonk bonk, you know, and Mitch Mitchell high tune that thing till it's going to burst, you know, and. And, and we, 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 we were all down with the heavy bass, 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 which, which it did have. But in hindsight, it's kind of like George Harrison with too much echo on all things must pass. It's probably too much bass on erotica, you know, but, but to the, to the, to the, to the detriment of the guitars, because the guitars are like mosquitoes, you know, <laughs> and, and so well, that's all right, you know, but so it's got its sound, but it was fun. And, you know, we, we wrote a bunch of stupid fun songs, you know, and it's fun and it's got, it's got my, one of my favorite lines of any Red Cross song, which which sums up that whole album to me, which was which is Jeff's line. I I, I love the line. We are not stupid boys, but we want to do it wrong. And I was <laughs> brilliant, you know. And 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 I I think we we may have. I I feel like we had that on the back of a T-shirt of one of our one of our you know neurotica tour T-shirts. If not, I always wanted it to be on the back. Yes, absolutely. And I thought that you, was I thought that was a good a good quote for the Red Cross. This year. Absolutely. And did you come to Europe and the UK at all during that sort of the eighties? Uh, sadly, we did not. Our manager John Silva, like you know, every month he's like, "Get your passports ready. We're going to Europe." You know. So no, I didn't go to Europe until twenty. 06 or something like that yeah it was a it was a it was a it was a 20-year wait for robert i tell you that sucked <laughs> yes they, they, they did go they did go after after i i had left you know but but uh and then yeah. and then as the 80s kind and of i want to go back really bad so yes you, uk people please please book the it's okay we kick some ferocious pummel booty i'm telling you we're a beautiful band. Four well, hopefully, hopefully Taffins, someone someone will want Red Cross for Pete's sake. And I know. Ellen Rooney with the Red Crosses during Third Eye. So there you go. Yes, absolutely. I mean, did you? And then as the eighties progressed, and thing musical styles change, and also in this country, you know, there was a little bit of a shift. 
that you know and i always say this but um i love to repeat myself you know when when the the sort of the smiths were such a big band for me during the 80s and then 87 they break up then there's this next wave of 16, 18 year olds. Ecstasy comes along. There's a bit of a dance scene. Then we have this Seattle grunge scene. What was it like for you as an artist, sort of navigating towards that next album with the Red Cross, which is Third Eye, isn't it? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, this is this is this is big. Third, third Eye was not. Third, <laughs> third Eye was a rough time for me, sort of. You know. Uh, so let's see. Roy left the band. Halloween. He left the band on Halloween 87, I think. Right. So that was really hard for me because, you know, they, they, my, I'm, I'm always the roommates with a drummer. And when Roy was in the band, we had Neurotica. So we did two years of hard touring. Right. So we became very close and our girlfriends were very close. So we, you know, and we, so we would, we'd hang out socially and stuff, you know. And uh, so then we got Victor and Victor was incredible. And I bonded with Victor just as well. And that was, that was really great. And and like I said, that that was part of my at that at that age. That's when I that's when I really started the guitar thing. I, I, I there'd been all, all these bands. I mean, I always I always felt that we were the best band in the world. I mean, not not as an arrogance, but just as a confidence. You know, we went yes. on stage and I, I, I just knew we were we were just pummel. You know, it's just like. Boom, you know, we would deliver, you know, and we had we had a great love fest with our audience and everything, you know, and and uh, but, but yeah, here's the thing. The third eye thing. It was rough because you, I saw it coming. We saw it coming, you know, and and and, and you know, we, we would play in the northwest and Soundgarden opened for us, you know, and. And they were just kind of like, you know, doing, I don't know, their, their art damage, uh, deep purple kind of vibe or whatever they're doing. But, but he's, he himself, Chris Cornell was just, I, I, that's the only time, true story. It's the only time in my life I did, I did not want to go on stage after that dude was on stage because he was such a God. I mean, the man was a God and this is before they were signed. I remember I called up Silva, our manager. I said, John Silva, you're just not going to believe. I, I got to tell you, dude, I've just seen the most insane thing. He's all, oh, hot plate. I know all about it. There's a huge bidding war going on for them. They're going to be huge. So he, he, the word was already out, I guess, but that, that, that was my intro to it. But then, you know, even like with the Nirvana, it's like I heard Bleach, you know, in like our little local record store in, in, in Hermosa. And I'm like, whoa, this is kicking ass, you know? And and so I, I could feel this happening, you know, like we, we're going in the wrong direction here with our Saturday morning cartoon stuff. It's not going to fly, you know, but, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> Jeff kind of has this, this little defiance about things, you know, like, like, you know, famously we, 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 you know, like, like we turned down Guns and Roses for $10,000, you know, while me and Victor were starving, you know, and we were not, <laughs> half the band were very unhappy about that. Maybe even three quarters, you know, and, uh, but you know, it's okay. Everybody can make their, make their, everybody has their line in the sand, you know, like what, what, so, so anyway, so yeah. So Jeff, you know, he wanted to make this record that was like Boston and Sergeant Peppers, you know, and I'm like, this is no, no, that's just not, 
the, the and, and and I really I wanted to make an extremely minimal record. It's just where my head was at at the time. I was just down with Van Halen, the Who Live at Leeds, and Plastic Ono Band. I wanted right. something so stripped and barren and 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 exposed, you know. And so I I was I was I was suggesting is it Chris Thomas? Is he's the guy? Who did Sex Pistols and, and and I think it's Chris Thomas. He did Sex Pistols and Pretenders, yeah. Yeah. Because I was thinking I was thinking Pretenders was was the best uh, the best compromise, you know, between what I you could tell was coming and still hanging on to that pop brilliance, you know. And so, and we met some incredible people. <laughs> we we met Gus Dudgeon. That was incredible, and. Uh, and uh, who else? Tony Visconti and uh, who else? Uh, uh, Vinny Poncia, right? Who who produced Dynasty and Unmasked? So we we met we met a bunch of guys, you know, because because we were we were signed to Atlantic. I mean, you know, so it was it was pretty pretty boss. But we really couldn't afford any of them. But it was nice to meet them and get some fantastic stories. Yeah. So we, we ended up with Michael Bloom, who's a nice guy, you know, and he had engineered like a prayer, Madonna. But he he and he wanted he wanted a rock record for his resume. So you know, so it just I don't know. He's a real nice guy, <laughs> but I <laughs> I don't know. So we ended up with this funny record that was recorded on forty eight tracks. You know, we we had two twenty four track machines slaved together, and it was it was just I don't know. It felt it felt more excessive than even I thought it was going to be excessive. And then Victor was kind of driven out, you know, by the bros. It was it was it was a little rough, you know, and. So I, I was, I was, I did not even go to any of the mixing sessions. And then when I heard the record, I was like, oh my God, you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. And there are great songs in it, you know, and it's not, you know, it's just, I was just in a different place, you know? Yes. And so, and so you know, but it's a, it's, it's, it was the wrong, it, it it's the right record at the wrong time or the wrong record at the right time or whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? I just, I just, it just, it just, it just, it felt so doomed. I know it's a horrible thing to say, but you know, like six months later, I, I always say this six months later, Nirvana recorded, uh, never mind, in the exact same studio. Right. You were there, Sound so Studios. Yeah, so you could just feel it happening. I mean, I felt it. I, I just knew where this was going. It just felt like, it, it just felt like we were trying to alienate ourselves as much as possible to the record buying public, you know? Yes. I think that's, yes. The kids wanted grunt. They wanted noise. They did. They did. You know, and this is like, I, you know, so, I don't know. So have I, you I listened think, to that album ever since, you know, have you sort of picked up? Oh, and, sure. You know, I, I'll go back and listen to everything like once a year. Cause you know, you got to kind of, have your distance so you can kind of appreciate it. Like I'll read Lord of the Rings every decade, you know? So, so, so I'll, I'll listen to neurotica and I'll listen to, I'll listen to third eye and I'll listen to research and the blues, you know, I'll listen to like once a year. And I, I, you know, I feel, I feel lots of generally speaking, very happy emotions when I, when I listen to them, you know, yes. and there's, there's some songs that I think like, you know, my favorite song off of a, my favorite song off of Third Eye is the Love Is Not Love song. I love my solo, my Robert Fripp solo, 
And I, I just think it's beautiful. And that that whole, I, I'm going to play it for you because not the solo, but just that progression because it's so beautiful, you know, this thing. The, because I, I love, I love stuff that, that, uh, oh, I'm going to put my ears in again. Pardon yes, me. put the ears in. Don't play your, yeah. Not... God damn, that's beautiful, you know? Magic. I think it's beautiful. Yes, absolutely. And then, so once that album came out, was that, did you do your... Ziggy Stardust, this is it. I'm leaving the band. No, you know, I, 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 we, 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 uh, it was really tough because, yeah, we didn't have Victor, you know, that, so that was kind of devastating for me because, because it, it put me in that, it put me in that, <clears throat> it put me in that, that Ace Frehley position or whatever, you know, because when Eric Carr joins the band, like, uh, uh, there's, there's no more, you know two halves there was there was like two and then just me you know and and i just i was feeling shot down at every 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 step of the way but yeah, i'm not saying to be mean or negative or anything i'm just you know that's just that's where i was at you know and, and but it was it was really tough because i i i i didn't have a i didn't have a you know it was yeah but then we we you know we we i was very excited and we 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 hired we hired jack irons you know who'd been in the Chili Peppers, and ultimately would be in Pearl Jam. Yeah, and and Jack was a great guy. He, he was a couple years older than us, I think. He was he was older than me. I think he was three years older than me, so he may have been older than Jeff. And uh, and Jack was a really good. It, it was Jack was just what I needed after losing Victor, and and because he he'd already been through it. He left a big band, you know, and and and. Uh, so he, he, you know, he, he had his own issues, but his head was on straight too. So, so I, 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 I took a, a lot of great comfort in a, you know, big brother or, 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 or father, not father, you know, but big brother type. Yes. Just some, I, I had, I had, I felt I had some kind of, if not, if not a, if not a ally, because he was a hired gun. So it wasn't, he, he wasn't a band member in that sense, but but he was a he, he was a he, he he was a very good stabilizing force. He was a I, I have to tell this. He, he was a stabilizing force, is what he was. Because the bros, I mean, like 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 many <laughs> like many notorious brother bands, right? You know, whether it's the Stone Temple Pilots or the Kinks or whatever. There's 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 tremendous lore, and they would come to fisticuffs quite oh, often. Good, yes, because because I did an interview with the twins of Gene Loves Jezebel and. Okay. Um, that was yeah. quite. They were quite rough. I mean, one of them yeah, said. So, one of them know, in the well, one of them said in the interview, "I've told my son that if my brother comes to my funeral, to kill him." And it was like, mm, "You're not oh going to get back together." <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. So, so you know, so it, it was really good because, in this sense, because th this kind of stuff was going down, you know, and so Jack, because we were at his mercy, we had to have a drummer, you know. And so he had a, he had a, he had a, a sit down with those guys. And he's like, if this happens again, I'm taking the first flight home. Oh, that was it. And then they were, it was like, it was like George bringing in Billy Preston, you know, mm. or whatever, right? 
Yes, Billy, good old Billy Preston. He was the man. Yeah, he should have. Yeah. He finally joined so, the Beatles. Yeah. So Jack really was this, he was a very stabilizing force. And so I was really happy then. I, I was like, okay, I can, I can hang with this, you know, and, and Jack, he didn't match us aesthetically. You know, he had a shaved head and I'm like, okay, well, I'm losing my hair. If Jack stays in the bed, I'm going to shave my head. You know? And I'm just, I'm just, I'm plotting out what, what, what's, what's my future look like in this band? You know what I'm saying? Type thing. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, cause I'm all, I'm, I was always trying to, have some kind of positive spin you know and you know and i was i was i was turning into shred lord and i was kind of enjoying that you know and that was something that you know was working in the late 80s but now in grunge world people didn't really care about shred lords you know but i i think that it really i <laughs> i think it, it upped the big band game you know because you know that's yeah and so <laughs> And it's not about shredding anyway. It's, it's it's about headroom, and you can play anything. You know, we were playing, we were playing. You know, uh, uh, da, 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 funeral for a friend, right? Right. <laughs> yes. God. Classic. So, I just wanted to be able to play anything at any time off off the top of my head without knowing it, and and so I, I was getting there, and so then. And so, yeah, so Ellen Rooney was on that tour. She was on the Jack Irons tour. That was a long tour. It was 10 weeks, you know, and it was, it was a little brutal, a little rough going 10 weeks. But it was also like, you know, it was good because we had two vans in. And I'm not a loud guy. I'm, 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 I'm much more introvert than, than my, my, my bandmates were, you know. And so I would just drive in the crew van with the crew. And those guys could sleep. The crew could sleep. I yes. could drive. I love road tripping and I love just zenning out. I love to just look and listen and smell. And, you know, that's my deal. And then the other van could be the party van. They could be blasting music and all that, you know. So, so then, uh, then we got, we got, we did more auditions and it was intense. Cause you know, at this point, like people were flying from all around the country to audition for us, which is heavy, you know? And so that was good. And, and, and we got, we got Brian, Brian joined the band, Brian Reitzel. And you know Brian was a great guy. He's a really nice guy. But I was then then oh then then we got Jerry and I I I didn't want to have a keyboard and it was just that was that was going over the pop for me. You know I it, it was it was making it lush live and I just I I wanted to 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 I wanted to be live at Leeds. I wanted to be this just power monstro thing i enjoyed the keyboards just i had been in a band with a keyboard player before i was in red cross pancake which pancake which was which was uh great because uh a keyboard is approached differently than a guitar player so again it upped my game and i i loved having i loved having like like uh like like just pushing that threshold again as a musician you know yes. like trading with Jerry's keys and whatnot, was it a but bit like I, with like Richie Blackmore come you know meet John Lord at all you know from Beat Deep Purple because they they had a interesting kind of one would do a little bit of a run and then the other would do his kind of guitar bit you yeah know. we 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 never moved on to do that much stuff I I think you know as far as trading chops because she wasn't I wasn't in the band long enough at that point so we didn't work up any new tunes when, when I was in the band with her. But it just, it was just, it was too lush for me. I, I, I wanted, I, you know, you, you know what, I, I wanted the improvisational thing and, and, and the whole sense of like, we played this epic show at, 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 uh, yeah. <laughs> 
the Ritz, one of our Ritz, I think we played the Ritz like three or four times in New York City, big, big, big room, you know, a couple thousand people. And we played this big punk rock show with, you know, these hardcore bands. I don't know why we always were on these hardcore bills. It was stupid, you know, but we'd get them. So we'd take them. And, you know, of course, we didn't take Guns N' Roses so for $10,000. <laughs> Go figure, right? But we play these hardcore bills where people, you know, throw bottles at your head and stuff like that. But it was beautiful. We played this one show and the, the, the crowd was just so abusive to us, which is fine because it's that whole trip. Like it's better to at least you're getting a reaction, you know? Yes. And, even if it's just being doused with spit and being flipped off or whatever, it's, it's better than, you know, no response. And that's, that's when you're miserable, you know? So, so we just, we, we utterly were, you know, being fueled, but it was beautiful. So we, we stopped our set, like, you know, three songs in or whatever. And we just played a half hour version of, of God of Thunder with, with, you know, Jeff just riffing random poetry. And, uh, and we were just, you know, so I like that improvisational angle, you know. So I just, I think it was just feeling so like compartmentalized or something like that. You know what I mean? And I just, I just, uh, and I, you know, and I, and I did, it's true. I, you know, I, I, I I'd had a girlfriend, I'd been going out with like five years and we, 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 we weren't going out together anymore. So, so I, I didn't have, I didn't have an emotional anchor and the band was not providing that emotional anchor at all for me at that point in time. So I was kind of, you know, I was, I was, I was, I was, I was, uh, I was marginally despondent. You know? Yes. Yes, that, well, I you know. you'd, you'd been in the band nearly seven years by that stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was seven years. Yeah. That was seven years. So, so then, was it a kind of a moment? You just said, "That's it." I, 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 I knew on that last tour, whatever that tour was, we were playing with the the the, the BH Surfers, and uh, and uh, we played a you know we played the Palladium. It's a huge place at home. It was a three thousand seater. It was a great gig. And I, I, I knew I was going to, and I, I felt terrible, you know, but we, we already, you know, it's like Atlantic was already telling us like, like we're, we're going to oblige your contract and we're going to make your second record, but we're not going to promote it and we're not going to give you any money. And it was already just like, oh, thanks a lot, you know? And so they, it was feeling very, that really sucked, you know? Yes. And, and uh so I, 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 I didn't want to screw the band. I really didn't. But I just I didn't want to go and 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 just for nothing and be trapped because we'd already been trapped. We were, we were screwed with Neurotica. You know, we, we couldn't make a record for three years because Fred Bestel ran off with everybody's money and, and nobody could nobody could. Everybody was contractually uh, 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 tied to this entity, Big Time Records that was a subsidiary of RCA, right? But, but nobody could make a record because everybody was tied into it. But the the, the, the company didn't exist. Blimey. Because, because yeah, because they went broke and Fred Bestel took all the money and went back to Australia or whatever happened there, you know? So it really sucked. Was Fred your manager? No, he was not. He, 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 he ran big time records. Right. So he, he was, was the a... manager of Air Supply in the 70s. Right, my God, it's murky, yeah. isn't it, really? Dear old Fred, God, he wrecked it all, didn't he? He wrecked it all, he really did. He was a charming fellow, but but a scallywag, you know? Yes, 
these people had. I guess that's part of the CV, isn't it? Really? Because on. I mean, you know, we were we were we were ready to go to make a record in '88. I mean, I, I I think we would have made you know in rapid succession four records if we had been given the opportunity, you know. And so that was very frustrating too, you know. Yes, absolutely. Well, you know, being in the band is quite tricky, isn't it? So then, so how did you manage to get out of the band at this stage? By the way, because it's. How did you manage to step away from the band? Because you sound a bit emotionally stuck to them or with them. Oh, I was. No, I loved them dearly. It was terrible. It was extremely difficult. You know, it was just one of those things where I, I had to do it. No, I was. I, I, oh, so we played this show at the uh, at the Palladium in Los Angeles, and I did. I, 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 I just knew it there. It was one of those. <laughs> It was one of those things I just, I had to, I, I lingered at the end of the stage. I was giving everybody high fives from the stage, you know, and, 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 and I, I played a heck of a great show. And then I just, yeah, I just, I just, I went backstage and I was just crying like a baby. You know, I told those guys, I, I, I got, I, I, I don't want to do it, but I got to do it. I can't, I can't, I can't do it anymore. And Jeff says something like, I knew, I, I know that. I, yeah, I, I could see that. And I don't know if the others were as, uh, as, as, as aware I think Brian Brian looked very unsettled because he had just joined the band. I felt terrible for him. I know how awkward that is. You know, yes. guy and one of the old guys just left on you. You know, it's, 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 so and I was just I was I was inconsolable, weeping inconsolably like a baby. You know, but, yes, uh, difficult. You so know, because I I just I didn't I didn't I didn't I didn't have it in me, and I didn't I didn't have I didn't have a. a uh, emotional support network at all of any kind at the time and i just i was just i didn't know what the heck i was doing you know i know it's difficult isn't it then so then when you walk away you sort of form another band quite quickly don't you it's okay i did like you know within it within it within it i mean I, I think we played our first show like like seven or eight months later yeah well, you know, I, the first thing I, the first thing I did is I, I, well, the first thing I did is I think I, I just took a week off, you know, I just, I was probably a little fried from touring and I, I just, I took, I took a week off and I just went to the beach, you know, because <laughs> I lived at the beach. I, where was I? I was living, I was, I was living in Hermosa at the time. Yeah, I'd moved back to Hermosa. I was living in Venice probably for most of my time during that Red Cross stuff. And uh, I was in Hermosa. It was pretty nice. I got a I got a job at, at a at a as, as a at a at a performing arts theater, which Ellen Rooney gave me got, got me that job. She worked at this thing, and I I started running sound up there. And then I I was uh, I called up I called up I called up Victor, and I called up Abby Abby Travis, who who I had jammed with both of them, you know. And we'd even played a show, but I didn't consider it as our band. You know, it was just our it was our fun thing we were doing. And so it's like yes. okay. Here's these two amazing musicians. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna. Let's just see what we can do, you know. And and I, I put out some flyers and some ads for a singer and had some funny experiences with that. And then met this really nice guy who had he he had been in the army and he was actually stationed in England and he'd seen a bunch of he, Greg White. He was like five years older than me, I think. And uh, he was great. He calls me up, you know, from my ads. I, I was I I. I had posted looking for a soul punk singer, you know, because I wanted something very soul bow, you know, and I don't know. I don't think I really wanted something punk, but I don't know what else to say. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's sort of like the suffix, you know what I mean? So, <clears throat> as opposed to, you know, you're, 
rock, which whatever that meant in 1992, you know, so I said soul punk singer. And the guy calls me up. He's like, yeah, I'm a soul singer. I'm like, well, hell, okay. You know, <laughs> I like that. And his hero was Al Green, you know. <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, get down, you know. Yes. And immediately, so, did it all click? I, I it, it definitely clicked with me and Abby and, and Victor and, and, and Greg was like an outsider that we brought in, you know, I, I, and I guess we had done that in the Red Crosses with some of our drummers a lot, you know, it's always awkward bringing in the outsider, but he was a real gentle soul. He was a very, very gentle guy and kind of fragile, you know, yes. and, uh, and I, I, I really appreciated it. And so I, I just wanted to play guitar. I, I didn't want to sing so much. I didn't want to be the front of a thing, you know, that's, I, I wanted to, you know, I've always been comfortable in that you know in that beetle george ace your number three position i don't mind that thing you know it's a it's a it's a it's a comfortable slot for me and uh and and so it was great because you know he 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 could sing falsetto like i did so he could just sing whatever i would sing previous and so was your uh, first single together or first track that you did was that the cover of the the flock of seagulls was this yes yes so that's that that so that was the tannis roots who were our merchandise the red cross merchandise people who did some beautiful beautiful shirts my god and and so and so bill and barbara and so I, 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 I probably called Bill, maybe he called me, but probably I called him, you know, and, and uh, I, I don't know how or why, I don't know how I found out about it. Anyway, I, I, I knew they were making this record and maybe somebody told me, or maybe he told me, I don't remember because, you know, it's a long time ago. And so I just, I just remember being, feeling very, very touched because one thing that happened when I left the Red Crosses was, you know, I used to get like 30 phone calls a day from all random people. And then suddenly all the phone calls stopped, you know, and I was like, oh, Jesus, except for my buddy, Dave Naz, Dave continued to call me every day, bless his heart. So I knew who really loved me, you know, and, uh, and, uh, and so Anyway, Bill was very sweet and kind to me. He's like, "Oh yeah, you're always family." Yeah, yeah, to 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 us. So that was great. And so 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 yeah. So we did that track. It was you know, I remember Victor had a, a, a eight track reel to reel, but it was broken. We couldn't get it to work. I'd bought a reel for it and everything. So we ended up, and I didn't want to have such a cheap recording, but we ended up having to record it on a on a cassette four track, you know, and uh, and uh, and then. And then just yeah, Greg came and he sat in the living room there. I had actually had another another fellow, uh, Jeff Sheru, who who I, I we came very close to. He was our singer too. There was a bunch of guys, so Jeff did a pass on it, and then Greg did a pass on it, <laughs> and so that was the one I ended up I ended up making some kind of little mix out of. And yeah, and it does. It it is. It sounds really amazing because you know the the. Thank you know, you. We've been bombarded with the original far too much, mm -hmm. and then sort of that cover version. It does sound just so brilliant. It's just such a great song, and it has a. It's a, a great song. I mean, that's the thing. You got to have a good song to start with, I guess, right? Yeah. So. Yes, but then and I'm, you, a, I'm a big new wave fan, and it gave us a little. It, it, and, it, and I got to just do my my big live at Leeds power trio that I love. You know, the sounds aren't the best because we were limited because we just did it to the four track but it's it sounds good you know i've put it on my i put it on my workstations back here and i and and, and you know where, where i've been able to make it bigger i don't have a 
really a platform or need to release that, I suppose. But it's 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 a pretty monstrous track. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic! No, I just I just really love hearing a, a, a good cover version that isn't identical to the original. So right. you kind of I think always like yeah, Paul McCartney when when. Uh, when the Sergeant Pepper movie came out, you know, the BGs, Peter Frampton. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Paul always said his favorite track from that was Got to Get You Into My Life, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Because it was just so much different, you know. Got to get you into my, got to get you into my, got to get you into my life. You yes, know? well, it's yeah. absolutely a classic, classic. I've never seen the film, but I should do one day, shouldn't I? Oh yeah, I saw it. You know, I was a kid, so I was I I I. It was probably pretty dreadful, you know. But I remember Aerosmith seeming kind of spooky, but and the the the, the it, it's pretty sappy. The what's the girl's name? I, I feel her name is like Strawberry Field or something, I, or maybe she's Penny Lane. I, I Paul but, but Peter sings to the girl. I, I don't. You know, I would imagine. Yes, it's, it, it's schmaltzy and painful. It's it, one of those things that should never have been done. You know, so. No. <laughs> oh, Peter Frampton. <laughs> um, yes, a disaster, really. But then, yes. Yeah, so, when with with it, with it's okay, you bring out your first album. This is the mid nineties at this stage, isn't it? Yeah. Which is a self titled album. So by then, was Victor still on drums? He was. So so Victor Victor stayed with us for. I don't know. I, I think I Victor stayed maybe with me for like two years before I left because I, I moved to the state of Vermont. It was just a random thing, you know, that you got to do sometimes. That was part of my just life experience. I met a beautiful woman who I've been married to now for a very long time. And, and so I went to Vermont in 94. So for two years, I held three of us together. But but Abby had already moved on because she was already getting calls from everybody. And Victor was getting calls from everybody. So I couldn't really get us any shows we played a couple shows with with freddie and then I, I i left and then kind of sabotaging myself you know i also auditioned for the red hot chili peppers and i didn't get the gig and oh. uh yeah. were you, dis and were you disappointed uh yes i was disappointed but i also wasn't surprised because they took the other the other psychedelic shredder, they took Dave Navarro, who'd already had platinum albums behind him. So clearly you're going to, if you've got, I mean, I, I would say we're very similar guitar players in many respects. So, you know, I understand. And certainly that's what management's going to be telling you to do, you know, so. so yes. Good. Yeah. And so, but that was my, that was, that was my, 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 big miss i guess i also didn't fathom how huge they were at the time it was kind of hard for me because we we just been on the same tour circuits and we would see those guys casually in clubs and stuff like that you know so i didn't really recognize like how huge they had become you know no but then there but was I, that did you see that classic film which happens a few years after your first album the one was it Woodstock 99 which is kind of when oh, the light bulbs I I've never watched it I I understand it was quite the fiasco I, I it's it's kind of like where they put all these kind of really heavy bands it's a yeah. it's kind of a, the most horrendous kind of misogynist kind of lineup and all these people that it just gets out of control and and suddenly yeah. Yes, it, it's the not not the sort of gig you'd want to be at, and if, unless yeah, you wanted. To... So yeah, I, so I, is I, it... I have always enjoyed having a, a girl always be in the band, almost always. In the Red Crosses, we had the girls in the band. They, they had Janet, they had Tracy, we had Jerry, 
with the with the it's okay we had abby and then we had el rooney and it just it, i i think that's a very 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 important thing i i've never i'm not a i'm not a yeah whatever you know i'm not a guy guy so you know yes in, in that way so and i don't think many musicians you know tend to be more to the artsy side anywhere however we are you know look i'm wearing an orange scarf right so you know so <laughs> so it's just you know i i i uh yeah, I, I think that's a really important, again, just sort of a stabilizing force. It's, it's important to have. In your I think mind. it was Marty from the Jefferson Airplane that said he, you know, he really wanted a woman in the band because yeah. it wasn't going to be good if they were just all blokes. It was, you know, so obviously mm -hmm. good good move with Grace Slick there. So after yeah. you did your first album with It's OK, there was quite a massive gap. Do you then, is the band... Sort of does it sort of go a little well, I, bit? I, I bugged out. I bugged out. I, I I met my wife, who wasn't my wife yet, but would become my wife, and we 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 did this grand experiment, and we moved to the state of Vermont. We were, we, my my wife was 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 she was born in Anaheim, California, but she, when she was like an infant or toddler, her parents moved to this Oregon. She had older half siblings who were, you know, teenage hippie girls who wanted to go, you know, be teenage hippies in Oregon. And so they did. So she was raised in this very bucolic, you know, uh, uh, farming community, extremely small town. Like I've been up there twice and it was not a joke. It's like the center of town, there's a blinking red light at a three-way intersection. On one corner was the shop that her father had where where he he did he sold and 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 did uh, tractor tires right? right yeah those giant you know six foot tall type tires so that was what that was his business and and then there was a small little market like a teeny little hut market right across the street and then on the other side on the T road there was a literally a one room schoolhouse where my wife went to school it was like K through eight in one classroom so it was a very small farming community and uh and so she had come down here to go to school she went to usc and but when right when we started going out together she was carjacked which is not a a good thing right some guy like got in her car with a knife and it was bad news and so she was like, I, I am leaving with or without you. I'm like, okay. So I did the thing. I followed the girl. You know? Yeah. It was because sometimes it doesn't pay off, but it paid off, you know. So. Yeah. Cheesy, crazy. That is hideous. Mm -hmm. So we lived in the state of Vermont for two years. It was sort of an experiment to see if a safe place to raise children and whatnot. And then, you know, I, I experienced some some pretty intense seasonal seasonal sadness depression or whatever they call it you know when the sun goes down at 3 30 and it's 30 below and it snows from october to may i wrote a song about it it's called vermont and it's a beautiful 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 place and i like the politic and i like the people they are extremely resilient self self-reliant peoples but I wasn't made of that stuff, you know, and I, and I'd been there, you know, we, we, we'd driven through there on tour and I'd been there on road trips, but I, I didn't recognize that I, I had always come back home, you know, to, to sunny Southern California. And so, so it was, I, you know, so anyway, we ended up, we, we had a terrible automobile accident. I, I, I hit black ice. I, I, I spun the car. We, we smashed into granite mountain face and, and, and I, 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 
I got 36 stitches here and I was all torn up. I put my head through the driver's side window and it was getting pretty grim, you know? So she's like, okay, we're going to go back. You, you need to go back. And so she wasn't stoked about that, but it was okay. Her parents were out here, you know, so we, it's it pretty intense when you're 30 and you go to live with your, your girlfriend's parents for a couple months, you know, to, you know it's yes. not ideal, you know, but it was, it was, it all worked out. You know, I got my, I got my, my, my job at the, at the performing arts theater running front of house sound. I got it. I walked right back into that two years later. That was very fortunate. So I had employment. My wife got a great job at UCLA where she was an advisor for the student performing arts committee for 11 years or so it was all really good you know so so that that was part of that part of that break you know and then I, yes. I and then my wife became uh we wanted to have kids you know and so i i, I wanted to uh i wanted to uh well, I, 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 I always made enough money to support myself, but so I had to become the responsible guy. So that's when I went back to school. I went back to school and I, uh, I got, I got a degree in kinesiology because I was coaching already and I was already always with young people. And so then I, uh, and then I, I got my job. So, and I got my, yeah. So, so yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, for tempter. So I, I was, I was doing a lot. I was doing a lot, but I was in my thirties. And so, you know, you can, you can, you can steamroll pretty, 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 pretty well throughout your thirties, I think. Yeah. Yes. So it's, a, it's a good one actually. So, yeah. So, so sport and athletics was quite a major part of your life at this stage. It was. Yeah. So I was still, I, I, I was still competing and I was still, I, and I, and I, and I had begun coaching, which I, I just loved, you know, and that, that made it easy for me to go into the teaching career because my, my, my wife was at UCLA. So she was on academic schedule. And the reason I was getting a real job <laughs> was because we were going to have kids, you know, and, and so I, I knew my, my kids are going to be on academic schedule. So I, I want to be with my children as much as I possibly can. Right. So I'm, the ideal thing is to be on their schedule. So then I'll be, I'll, I'll, and I'm already coaching at the high school here. So I'll go be get a teaching credential so that I can, I can be on an academic schedule so I can be with my family and I can support my family and all that good stuff. Yes. So, yeah. And then, yeah. And then when, uh, then when, uh, then when I, when I got, it was, into, I, I got hired in Hermosa. I, I, I taught at my own middle school that I had gone to my, my, the, the middle school I had gone to, I ended up being a teacher there, which is kind of karma, you know, for being a, <laughs> for being a, a rotten little adolescent boy, you know, <laughs> so it all came back to me beautifully. So, so I, I got hired in Hermosa and I, I taught there for 15 years and, and, uh, it was it was terrific fun and it, it was crazy because it was like I had just got my I was just finishing the program or I had just gotten my credential because I I spent two years elsewhere before I, I I spent a year in PV and a year in Redondo or a year in Redondo a year in PV before I got hired in Hermosa and then uh and uh but Jeff, <laughs> shoot, Jeff calls me up just as I got my credential. I remember, and he's like, "So I'm, I'm, I'm. We're getting all these phone calls. You know, I've been getting phone calls for ten years, and so I've, I've decided I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna respond to some of them or something along those lines. You know, he's like, "You want, you want to do it?" And I'm like, "Yeah, absolutely." You know, but oh damn, 
I was so I was so buried. I was just I was just I was just so that was just a, a bonus on top. But and in the meanwhile, yes, I I had I told you the, the only person who called me was Dave Naz after I left the Red Cross, and who called me every day, you know, for the rest of my life or whatever, or at least you know for the next year. Such a good guy. So when I came back from Vermont, I reassembled a band, you know. Yes. And, and so and so I asked Dave because Dave was like just such a good loyal friend, you know, and and so. And he, you know, he'd been in Chemical People, lots of records with them. And but he was kind of toast on touring. He didn't really want to tour so much. I did, but he didn't. And, <laughs> but I wanted a friend in the band. And then this time around, I did ask Ellen Rooney, and and uh, because because uh, I, I I wanted I wanted a female, you know, in the band, and, and I, I wanted that range, that vocal range, and. And then we, we had a, a, a there was a, a young kid. He worked at the theater. He was 17 years old. It was Dennis, who's the It's OK's bassist. So Dennis joined the band. But then Dennis, similar to what I had done, sort of he he, he left for a couple of years. He went to uh, he went to finish school at Villanova. So he was on the other side of the country. And uh, and so then we we got a guy through ads is a very nice guy matt smith so matt was in the band for a couple of years and so we 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 made the the second record with matt and it was kind of awkward because i i had these some pools of songs that and and greg had rehearsed some of the songs with us so they they you know they were they were they were guy songs or you know and so so Ellen El, El, Rooney was more like a Yoko presence kind of on the second record, maybe, you know, not as not as in front as I would ultimately put her. But I just didn't have the songs for her yet. I mean, I, I write songs with her voice in mind, you know. Yes. And and uh, and I, I'm, I'm really grateful, too, because because I, she's a, a very, very good songwriting partner, which is something I've always, always longed for. I always I've always kind of felt shut out sort of by Jeff a little with that, you know, he'd bring his things, I'd bring my things. And I don't know, we didn't, we didn't this, you know, yes. and, but with, with Ellen Rooney, I, I, I have a very good songwriting partner and I'm very grateful for that, you know, so I, 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 you know, I might have a, I might have a melodic idea. I might have cues. I might have transitions. I might have a theme or something, but sometimes I just have the track, you know, and I tell her what I'm hearing, you know, like the song sunshine, which is, I, I it's on our, it's on cubed. It's a beautiful song. And I, you know, <clears throat> I had a bunch of ideas, you know, I, I heard Beetle George, I heard the zombies and I heard super tramp. That's kind of where I was coming from on this track, you know? And, uh, and I said, so that's what I hear. And this is kind of like, I don't know what I want to do. And she came back with just this beautiful melody, like a little bird, you know, <laughs> and I was just like, Oh my God, you know? That was great. So we really we 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 bounce off ideas off one another really really well, and I, I'm I'm grateful for that. Anyway. Yes, because her vocal but, but we, range. But we weren't we weren't there yet on that second record. We 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 hadn't we hadn't developed that yet, you know. But I, we've been friends since high school, you know. So so again, it was just I just I just want family bands, you know. I, it's 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 just that comfort of that, you know. Knowing yes. Knowing who your friends are. So with your first two albums, it's okay, which is yeah. the self-titled, and then Dream. Were these the the albums you feel like were sort of work in progress? But Cubed and then Four are the ones that you feel oh, much yeah. De definitely, yeah. Because well, it's okay. It's it's okay. The first one is a is a 
I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's the meet the Beatles Milo goes to college thing. It's our set list. You know, it's, it's just like, these were the songs we had and we played them. We just played them live basically in the studio, <laughs> you know, and it's a, it's a very barren record. It's a very emotional record and the first one. And so it's, 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 it's really just a, it's a, it, like a, like a snapshot, a time capsule of just a band in a place. It could just as well be a live record. Yes. It's so barren and, and stark. And that's just where my mind was at, you know, and maybe it's a little thin, you know, I, I, I would have approached it probably a little differently nowadays, you know, but it's, but I, I just, that's just where I was at. So it's got more sort of like, you know, this, it's almost like a Minutemen thing, you know, I, I was, I, I wanted clean guitars, you know, like a, like East Bay Ray kind of thing or Mark Knopfler. I just, I wanted to have this, big thing but very clean and I, I i didn't quite know how to pull that off completely yet I, i've gotten better at, at that and then the second record yeah was i was ready to go with that original lineup and that would have been i would have made you know i was putting on a few more layers and some keys here and there and this and that but i hadn't we we hadn't we hadn't had the songwriting team thing aspect going yet so it's kind of also this transitional thing yeah yeah. Yes, yeah. my God, and then, and sort of the amazing thing is that you're able to juggle so many commitments and so many kind of. Oh, it was um, terrible, oh, and that's why I ended up with the shingles. Yeah, and that 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 comes that comes at the the end of a, a lot of that run. Yeah, so so I, so so then I so I did a, I I rejoined. I, pardon me, rejoined the Red Cross. It's me and Roy, and uh, and that was a heck of a lot of fun and i really enjoyed it a lot and, and it, it was much better we weren't having you know fisticuffs <laughs> you know and i was very happy at that point in time because because everybody was or most of us were married with kids and so the priorities were were really grounded you know and and so it wasn't it wasn't like this you know i, I don't know it wasn't it wasn't a loony show you know and so I, I i really i enjoyed that so it could be just this 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 component you know it was a fun component of life and and we weren't we weren't touring hard you know we were doing we were doing one-offs and that that's a luxury i i i'm very very grateful for that experience so we do one off. So we would. We but it was brutal for me because I I I I'd, I'd get on an airplane on Thursday night, and I'd fly. We'd go into Heathrow, play a show in London on Friday, play a show in Madrid on Saturday. I'd get on a plane on Sunday, and I'd be back in the classroom at eight a.m. on Monday, and I'd had maybe two hours sleep. You know, so it was it was beautiful and fun, but it was it was it was taxing. You know. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and so. So anyway, doing all that, so I was, I was, I was pushing myself too hard again, you know, and so yeah, I was doing too much and I was in a master's program. Oh God. And I was, so were you, were you sort of opening for people like Sonic Youth at this stage or? Well, we, we, we'd been playing with them in the eighties and in the two thousands. So yeah, we were still playing. We still played with the Sonic Youths and we did, let's see, we did tours with the Go-Go's in the first run and then. Who else do we play with? I don't know. We, we, you know, we, oh, well, we played the big festival. That was great. In was Spain. that Coachella? Well, we played Coachella here. Yeah. At home, we played Coachella. That was fun. And, but we brought my son and my, my wife, <laughs> my wife always needles him because he had sort of a, he was like five at the time. <laughs> so he had a meltdown and we had to go home. And my wife was really bummed because we didn't see Prince. You know? 
Oh, yes, that was that was unfortunate, wasn't it, really? Yes, yeah. to bring that one up, actually. And did you meet the famous DJ from the UK, Rodney Bingenheim? Did you do a benefit for him? Oh, we did. It was his, it was, uh, he, he got his, he got his, I, I want to say it was his star on the Walk of Fame or the Hollywood thing. I think that's what, the, it was a big show. We, we, we played, we played a, a show that was, that was celebrating him. Yeah. Yes. My God. Yeah. So then good... did you have a, with various reasons, was then Red Cross, the second chapter, was that completely cleanly closed again? You went back to teaching and it's okay. Yeah, no, it didn't clean. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't close cleanly. <laughs> it closed kind of ugly, but I, I, I was, a uh, so, so we, we, we did, we, we 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 got the we made I don't we didn't make it so the Spanish crew made it we made the cool live video which is nice you know it's a multi camera multi track shoot that's so I I'm very grateful that exists it's a good document of of that of that neurotica revisited lineup and then so and then we did the research into blues record and that's a good record it's a monkeys record I don't have anything on it I have some good solos on it so I I felt a little I felt a little again compartmentalized on that record, you know, but but uh, you know, and Jeff saw, well, we'll do this one on the next record, you know, because I I brought some songs, you know, so but 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 well, since we were doing these one-off type things, we weren't touring per se, you know. We did, I think we did like a two-week tour of Spain, you know, like every other year or whatever, you know. So we we. Uh, <coughs> we'd send out emails or whatever, you know, so-and-so is, we have this offer. Can you guys do it? You know, and like Roy has, it would do like trade shows. He, 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 he works in, you know, some kind of distribution stuff and, and groceries or whatever. And so, and so, you know, he'd be like, I, I can't do that weekend. And go, okay. So, so, so we just all sign off on stuff, you know, so we got offered this thing to do Australia and, and, uh, I, my bummer was I had the spring break the week before, and then I had the I had the it was the week after the school spring break, and the district doesn't want you to extend your you know your holidays or, whatever. and so they're like yeah if you take that off you're gonna have to pay for your own sub and it was really screwed yeah yeah so like, oh my god so I I would effectively lose money not even you know just break even or take a week off, and so I uh, I'm like I can't do this one you know. So nobody says anything further about it, you know, and I'm still going in and I'm still recording on the record and stuff. And then and then I, a cousin of mine who lived in London, she she sends me a message and she says, oh, congratulations on, you know, your Australian tour. And I'm like, oh, I don't know anything about that, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, that kind of went down kind of ugly. So, yeah, like like I'm making this record and they're like rehearsing with my successor as I'm making this record. I didn't know anything about it. And and so I got kind of ghosted and it was kind of like a bad, you know, it was, it was very disappointing and not very impressive so and you know so i'm like okay so then they 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 played australia without me and so then we still had shows booked though you know that i could do like so we we're supposed to play chicago and stuff so i'm like writing i'm like i'm like uh are we gonna get together rehearse for chicago or whatever and i got kind of ghosted for a while and then you know steve writes me back he's like yeah we like we learned 40 tunes so we're just going to kind of continue what we're doing I'm like oh okay well, like i know 100 tunes but whatever you know okay so that was kind of a moat you know so so that was that so yeah so there you go it was it it, it was kind of it was kind of it was kind of uh 
It was kind of weak. Yes, that was very poor, wasn't it? Yes, dear me, never mind. It was, like, it was like it was like Quiet Riot leaving Kevin Dubrow in Hawaii, which apparently they did. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a brilliant story with um, Hawkwind. I think it was for different reasons, but they were a bit scared of one of the members, and they didn't dare tell him they wanted to, you know, sack yeah. him. So they they were in Paris. I think they all got on the bus and jumped on and drove off, left him in the hotel room. But at the same time, he woke up, was half naked, running down the street. And they they got to one of those traffic lights that just wouldn't change from red. And he was banging on there. And he gets on the bus. But they were too scared to tell him, you know, because he was a bit psychopathic at that stage. So um, I'm not psychopathic. So I was just I I was just hurt. Yes. I was very sad about this initially. I was very disappointed. Later, I was just disappointed because I was just, I was just, that was just cowardly. But I was, I was very, I was very hurt initially. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, no, you know, I was having fun. You know, I, I really was. I mean, my, my whole trip, you know, since I've, since, since, especially when I turned 50, Jesus, but it, even in my 40s, you know, like when I realized I've passed my physical peak, and again, I can't go any faster than I had, you know, and that sort of thing. So my whole trip in life now is just to have fun. You know, yes, and appreciate it. it. Like, you got to enjoy life. So I was having fun, you know. So yeah, yeah. So there you go. So that, but luckily, you still have. It's okay to sort of channel your energy yeah. in. I'm, I'm very happy about that. Because again, a great family band, and so I. So. Mm-hmm. So that's when we got. That's when we got. Uh, that's when we got Joey, and Dennis had come back. Of course, you know he'd been back for ten years or whatever. So, so. Uh, so that was that was quick and simple, yeah, really, you know. And then we 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 were drummerless and, and initially because Dave didn't want to tour, he didn't want to play shows. He was getting really into his photography thing, and so and so uh, so we had to find a drummer. And so so yeah, so we uh, a girl that we Ellen Rooney and I had gone to college with, she had a son who was a a, a drummer, and, and he was just a beast, you know. He's, his whole his whole trip was just john bonham he was like a little john bonham clone yeah he had his kit cloned and he had the sounds and just everything you know so breaking out of the bonham thing you know it was hard to get him to play like ringo but you know we, we did the best we could but but he was great you know so so it, it made it for a family band you know and so so yeah so we had we had a we had a steady lineup for 12 years so we made cubed and i would have done so much more but i was i, I mean the only time i could do anything was was in the summer times. I was so doggone fatigued all the time. I mean, being a teacher is brutal. Yeah, it really. Is. Yes, it's, and you, um, you take it home with you. It's just it's a job you take home with you, you know. And so, and so, and so. But we did. We we made Cubed, and Cubed is a great record. I we recorded the drums for Cubed on a theater stage with fifty feet above us and fifty feet out in every direction, and just the kit close mic, but the ambience. Uh, yeah, Drums are monstrous. It's total uh, when the levee breaks. The whole album, yes. which is problematic a little bit because not every song is a heavy song. So it, it, then I was faced with like, how do I make this massive drum sound sound delicate and small on some <laughs> delicate and small songs? There was a lot of rolling off of the top end, and you know whatever you could do, and just and so, but. Yeah, Cubed, Cubed, so Cubed is like the first, like, real bands integrated, and it was good, you know, and it, it's a, it's a, it's a, I, I was very happy with that record, generally speaking, you know, and, and, uh, and we started our, our, our songwriting partnership, and, you know, it's smaller there, but, and, 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 and then we did Four, Four is a great record, I'm very, very, very proud of Four, 
and it's a great record. And a number of those songs, like this title track itself, was a song I presented to the Red Crosses as as, as the uh, motorcycle, black motorcycle Madonna, right? That whole yes, it's 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 the you know it's 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 gentlemen start your engines, right? So that's that's where I had had that from there. And let's see, sweet all of you is that? Oh, that's on cube. Sweet all of you was a was one that I had, I had presented to the band and bent. Bent I had presented to the band. That's like the, the the total like the George Harrison White Album type song. <laughs> Great song. And uh, so so yeah, four is great. And 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 four was very happy for me because I, I you know it's 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 small potatoes, but it's it's like that was the first. So those two years after four, that was the first time I was making more money from the It's Okay's and the Red Crosses, and that was a huge personal kind of emotional triumph you know what i mean absolutely yes this yeah, is because we this, got we got some decent radio play and we got some you know decent streaming and we got some decent sales you know modest but it's all you know it was more than i was making from the red crosses i that that was that was triumphant for me it made me feel good you know and so so yeah so four was great and then we got our covid thing so ellen rooney and i yeah we finished we damn we finished four because we got all shut down so we're sitting there in my studio you know with our masks on you know and because <laughs> we both had elderly parents who have subsequently passed in 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 that time frame but you know they were both well my father was 86 her mother was 94 yes. so so you know, but we were, especially me, I like, because I, I was around germ bomb kids all the time, you know, and so I, I was really flipped out about that. I'm, I'm not going to, you know, pass it on to my, 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 my octogenarian father, you know. So, yes. so, uh, so, so, uh, yeah, so four was four, four, so, so four got kind of got like, like a little, it's Ballyhoo got a little delayed, you know, but it all worked out because it, it kind of gave us a little time to kind of, how do we do this? How are we going to do this right this time? And how are we going to get this pushed out? You know, so, so we did, we got a lot of, we got a lot of love and a lot of airplay and, you know, and so then we, you know, we coming out of this, we, we finally, we finally toured, you know, and it was beautiful because I did, I, 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 I retired September 22. So, September 23, we, we, we went on tour finally, you know, it takes a long, and I found a, I found a great booking agent. That was another hard thing. I, I just don't have the skill and I've been out of the loop, you know, as far as like the, the, the U S touring circuit, I, the venues I used to play, I, you know, they probably the vast majority don't even exist anymore. So we found a really, really great guy, Sean Padilla, happy nomad booking. And, uh, and it was just great. And we, we, you know, we had some duds and we had some great love. So that's just, you know, that's, 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 it's just like early Red Cross tours. You know, first time we played Houston Red Cross played for 12 people, you know, so, <laughs> so yes. that's all right. So, you know, we had some good shows, you know, 30, 40, 50 people. And, you know, we had some smaller shows that happens, you know. Yeah, but it was absolutely. Great, you know? And I have to say, Ellen's voice is quite magnificent as well, isn't it? Thank you. Yes, I, I I think it is. Yeah, and and I and I I am a I'm a taskmaster when we record. You know, I I'll, I'll 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 keep pushing it, but it's it's just I I I all her all her recorded performances are are I I think just great. They're, they're everything I would hope to hear. You know, and I, then keeping her because I'm gonna I'm trying I'm gonna try to get some more gruff out of her. The song Eye Opener, which is mind boggling. She <laughs> she basically had walking pneumonia at the time, and. uh and uh 
And I, I just, yeah, we kept at it and it's, it's just brilliant, but it gave her this little extra gruff. She has a pretty, a pretty pure, uh, pure tone. And, uh, you know, I like a little gruff, you know? Yes, absolutely. So, absolutely. I, I, so does that mean I'm, you've I'm got, got a new ma- voice. is that, does that mean you've got new material coming up for the, Oh uh, yeah, no, we, I'm, 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 I'm very excited, David. We have, a. We have, we have, we got, <laughs> we have Roy. Joey, so Joey, he was in the band twelve years, and he moved with his family to Tennessee. He's just, you know, because he is a lot younger than us. He's like twenty years younger than us. So he he wants to start his life and start his family. He's got to do his his. I I know what he's got to do. I did it. I went to Vermont. You know, you got to do your thing. Yeah. And so, and so I I just oh I wanted to keep this in the family, you know, and I and and we'd known this since September since since the summertime and i didn't want to put any bad juju over our band so i didn't take any action until our tour was over and then i uh i had a short short list (laughs) and i called up roy and and you know we we did a little we did a little back and forth and negotiating and conversating there for a few weeks you know because he's overwhelmed in life too life is overwhelming you know and to take on and I, just, I I wanted somebody that I knew and loved and I was comfortable with. And I'm, you know, willing to make any concession to that, you know, because that's that's the most important. So it's just I, I just I just couldn't be a happier man. I, I, I couldn't take the smile off my face. I just had the ear to ear. I just I haven't been able to stop since then, you know. And so and so, yeah, we have I have uh, we've got we've got. The, the album we have all the tunes i can't tell you all the tunes they're finished some of them need to be need to be finished but but we have <laughs> a good half the album i already have the the guide tracks the demos for <laughs> him to start tracking his drums on top of so you know so in our period of time that we that we go over this all you know i don't know if it'll take a year if it takes two years somehow every record i've ever played on you know except for the Dave Naz, the the Chemical People records, because those I would just show up. But the the Red Cross records and the It's Okay records, they always seem to take three to four years. But a lot of it just has to do with we were all working so much. You yes. Know? And so if I can you know, if I can spend my time down here, I've got a beautiful studio here, and and uh, I you know I, I find I like to work when I work do studio. I like to work about eighteen hour days, two days on, one day off. You know, I can I can kind of do that pummel, and then my ears can rest. You know, and and so you know, God, so, that's yeah. very intense, isn't it? That's a very intense schedule. Well, it's, it's fatiguing, but you just kind of have to. You just move on to things when you start to get to that weird, freaky out, burnout phase thing. You know, and you just you know. Yes. So, have you got a title of the album at all? No, we have a working title. My working title for the album is "If Not Now, When." Right. Classic. Yeah, because that sort of sums up our entire existence. You know. Yes. Have you got any more live shows lined up? We do. Uh, and one of them I can't say anything about because it's going to be announced next week. And it's a, a very big show and I'm very excited about it. And and it might. And I, 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 yeah. <laughs> our, our next show that is coming up, which is in February, might might fall under a. Uh, Exclusive exclusivity clause, and I might I I don't I, I but 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 the 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 the, the sets will be playing are are so polar 180 degrees opposite that it might work out. So 
we'll see. But we, we are hoping to announce very shortly that one. But I, I have to get an exclusion for it. Uh, but it's all good, you know. And then in April, in April, we're, we're going to return to play uh, uh, a trio of shows in Texas, maybe Oklahoma. And then... And then we'll start doing some Bay Area and just all sorts of stuff. We'll see how we go. And and so, you know, we'll start doing some uh, long weekends. We'll start doing some periodic three-day things is our plan. So we, 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 we sit around as a band and try to decide what makes the most sense. Do we go to Ohio? Because Ohio, as funny as it sounds, is a great rock and roll state. Right. It's got a lot of got a lot of cities there to, that are that are they're good and receptive and and you know or do we just do the big new york thing or what do we do you know and so you know so that's that's we're we're, we're plotting it out and you know yes. we are we're semi starting anew with roy but it was great because roy did us just the greatest love and respect and you know he he just he learned so much and he was just so ready and so in the pocket on on on, on day one i was like oh okay we're ready to go like we could play a show tonight it's we're good you know and, and that's you know and that's good you know and i and i've i've played with him you know we've made two albums together already and and you know i i played with him during two ten years of the red crosses and we were together like you know nine years in the red crosses total and so i I, uh, you know, I, I got a lot of good ESP going on there, you know, so it's, God, it's yes, good. absolutely. Yes. At that, at this stage in life, you've got to have good harmony, really, don't you? Yes. Good, a good vibe because oh, yeah. frankly, there's enough, enough to think about other than yes. odd, odd behavior. So that's good. I mean, if you could have whispered something to your like 16 year old self starting out, is there anything particularly you'd have gone? Oh yes. I would have told them that or advised them this way. Ah, uh, well, you know, I, yeah, I, it's hard because I, I've, I've, I've responded to that sort of question before, you know, and my response is usually, I, it's, you know, it's, it's like believe in yourself, you know, because, because you don't always have the support group or network. I, I didn't have a lot of support group or support network a lot of my life. And, uh, and, uh, and it's important, you know, and it's one of the reasons I became a coach because I, I you know, I, 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 I'm not every kid has that support once they go home, you know, and so, and so I, I, I uh, just to let, you know, kids know how awesome they are. Yes. Right? And that, 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 you know, follow your heart, follow your muse, you know be practical you know but be an idealist all that beautiful stuff you know yes no it's important god i mean yes if only we all had a bit more confidence when we were younger but then we're so neurotic at that age but oh, yes this is true this is so true but look i hope i do really you know i love listening to the sort of the the albums because they're all on spotify which is obviously quite handy for us Literally, just december 31 that that was that was that was the first one we we, we put them all out in reverse order because i wanted to start with four because that was our newest thing you know so i i <clears throat> i just i i did one i gave each one a three-month increment just so we could let each one sort of have its moments you know yes and we appreciate them so yeah, that, everything's on there now. So the next one will be the fifth one, whenever that's done. Might take a year or two, but you know. Will you bring any singles out before then? Any tasters? Uh, I would just do a just a sneak track. I'm I'm still a, a an avid 
fan of albums and the idea of albums. And I know that's so not a thing, you know, in the in the streaming era, but I, I, I like albums. I like collections and I, I have my whole thing in my head. I've always, it's the number 16. It's a square. It's four by four. It's just this perfect, neat little grid. And I just, I love having four songs and that's a little sequence of songs and four songs, a little sequence of songs. And that's the first half, you know, yes. and our, our, our records tend to be longer i guess because they all have 16 songs although this 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 uh this fifth album there are a lot of songs two minutes and under so it 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 might it might run just in the 30 minute 30 minute range even with even with 16 songs but uh but uh it's so so some people might like to listen to them in halves, and and they're they're meant to be listened to in halves almost. Yeah. Yes. If, if 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 some entity wants to you know license us to put us on on a on vinyl, I'm good with it. But I just I just I can't spring the bucks for the you know the vinyl. Just more things to haul around in the van, you know. But but I I I, I think of everything as, as as albums. I think about that side one, that side two. And it's just like it's like making a set list and making it pace, you know. And I, I love the pace of four. I, I I think it's so well sequenced. I I I just I, I I labored over that so much, just making it breathe and move, you know. And and so you know, so the only I I I've I, we we put out singles for for on Spotify because they tell you you know you can have an advanced track, and I I like that idea. You put out one track a week early, and it just sort of starts you know so you put out your single or whatever you know a, a catchy tune and then everybody comes back with bated breath you know one week yes. later to listen so you know it's a good little strategy i'm a i'm a terrible uh what is it uh marketer ad man whatever yes i, I, know. I don't have that skill and it's you know it's a whole other it's a whole nother part of one's brain i think isn't it yes definitely yeah. it's um i know we all remember the bill hicks sketch don't we really well, I don't know if you remember Bill Hicks during that period, but I remember him saying, any marketeers here, kill yourselves. Because he just hated marketing. He just hated that, oh, we're going for the anti-buck anti market and we're going for the, you know, this market. And we, You know, he just hated that way that everything was looked upon as, you know, how can we make a buck from this? You know? Right. It's yeah, a I understand. It's a, it's a little grotesque and you don't want to be grotesque. You know? No, you want, you want a pure heart. And a good uh -huh. intention and kindness. I think that's the main yeah. thing. Kindness is beautiful. That's what it's all about. Kindness to the cosmos. One of one of our big things about going on this tour, our tour, September tour we played was just my whole trip was just like more than anything. I just wanted we just wanted to make new friends, you know? Because it's yes. fun. You know, meet people and, 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 and we did. It was beautiful, you know. And it's interesting because you do see like it's cool with the streaming stuff because it's it's cities and you see where the cities you played, you know, and you and everything spikes. Like on this, when you look at your artist page, you know, it shows you where, what cities are listening to you. And it's so, you know, there's, there's, it comes back to you all, all, all points, you three thousandth of a cent, right? So <laughs> you, make, you make those, those extra three thousandths of cents as we go through. <laughs> My God. Well, it'd be nice to see if you get a little spike in Norwich now. So they, does it really break it, it does it break it down quite? Oh, they do. Yeah. They, they have every demographic. It, it, so you can it shows you the country, shows you the cities, shows you the age, shows you the gender, 
shows you uh, how many, you know, average per person, like our, our average person listens to like three and a half of our songs or whatever, you know, which is good. So they're not just like turning them off after one, you know? Yes. You know? And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating data, but, it, but it's, 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 it's all in a, they're, they're in 28 day updates. You can yeah. look and see what your lifetime stats are. You can look at your last 24 hours, your last seven out seven days, but the 28 days is like the, 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 the default. And so like, if you're on any band's page and it shows their top 10 list or whatever, that's the top 10 of the 28 previous days from how I can gather it. Yeah. Well, so even fun. that, even that can then evolve and change regularly because there are tracks that'll be on our top 10. I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. You know? Nice. God, that's fantastic. Well, look, I must go to bed soon. Oh, yes, look, yes, right, right. But yes, but look, thank you ever so much. And I've really loved listening to your, your music. It's been brilliant. And um, I'm definitely going to um, check out some more of those tracks you mentioned just to special, have special ears on them. But anyway, look, thank you again for this. And if you want, I can always send you the the link to this interview and then you can well, always put it on yes, 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 and yes, put yes. it on your social media page. People Absolutely. Love that. Yeah, that would be but, fantastic. Um, but look, thank you again for your time and best of luck for 2024. It's all starting. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Yeah. Happy 2024. It's been very nice chatting music and running. You, you got both my passions. I know. I know. Okay. Well, yes, I'm still, I also do triathlons. That's my other thing. So swimming, oh, swimming is the thing that sort of boggles my brain. I can't work out how you can get better at swimming, but it's about trying to have a better coach really. Yeah. I can only do backstroke. I just don't like my face underwater. Plus, I get so cold. It's uh, Yes, I get cold very easily. But anyway, look, I must go. But look, thank you again, Robert. This has been amazing. Take care. I'm hit. Great. Thank you. Bye, David. Take care. Bye-bye. And that me, and that was me in conversation with Robert Hacker. Find his uh, find out about his life in music, as you just gathered. If you got to the end of that interview, well done. Um, yes, I will give you a link to the website to it's okay below. Also, if you want to contact me for some exciting, for some exciting reason, you can on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just to C eighty six show, and you will find me. Um, all these interviews have been archived. Aren't you lucky? You can find those on Spotify, iTunes, Podbeam. It's true. Have a great week. Stay safe. <laughs>